Welcome, welcome once again to 720 and 720. This is John Schulman. We are very fortunate. Uh, we always love kind of going out of our comfort zone of, of basketball, and now we have a very famous football guest. And uh, uh, Jeff, you are famous, correct? I don't know if I would use the term very famous. <laughs> there's, one, there's one very famous guy in Tuscaloosa, and it's not me. Are you that? sure? Okay, but <laughs> okay for, for the people listening to this, if you watch SEC football, which I love SEC football on a Saturday night or a Saturday afternoon, and you watch Alabama, see Alabama hits pretty hard, and and you know the offensive line didn't do a good enough job, and so Tua's getting hurt, and Hertz is getting hurt, and you see this bald headed guy coming on that field to take care of those kids. Jeff Allen, you are that bald headed guy, correct? I am that bald-headed guy. My bald head has gotten me a lot of recognition, for sure. People <laughs> always say that. You laugh, but people always say that about me. I saw your bald head. I get that all the time. Well, you know, I try to explain people, and this would be the good way to start this whole podcast. All right, I said, listen, I said, that's my buddy. You know, he's the trainer. All right, he's a trainer. All right, because we talked about that. He's a trainer at Alabama. He's the bald-headed guy, the trainer. And they go, you mean the big, strong guy who works him out all the time? Do you ever get those two guys mixed up? Are you mixed up with him at all? Yeah, Coach Cochran and I get mixed up quite frequently, but um, I, I'm the athletic trainer. Obviously, there's a difference between an athletic trainer and a strength trainer. So, you know, clearly my job is to, is to I tell people all the time, is to fix them when, they're, when they break. And uh, that's what I do, and that's what I spend my time working on. Well, you're a miracle worker. First of all, you don't look like Cochran, all right? You're not as fit, just to be honest, all right? And I don't know. They say TV, you know, like TV adds 15 pounds. I'm not sure that's true in your case. Uh, but but you don't – you're not – can you not get in a weight room with him? You know, I can't keep up with Scott Cochran. I don't try to keep up with Scott Cochran. So I, I, I do do I, – I work out, and I'm proud of my workouts, but his <laughs> workouts are on a whole nother level, brother. So. Uh, I, I'd say – all right. So so your background – all right, so we hooked up at Chattanooga. You were the head athletic trainer at Chattanooga. You leave you leave me. We get, You get tired of, of Lebo and Shulman, and you head, to, uh, you head to Central Florida. How long were you at Central Florida for? Two years? And no, I was down there for three years. I, you know, I guess in this profession, I, I don't go by years; I go by seasons. Yeah. So I think all all the coaches, anybody in athletics, our life is in season. So we spent three seasons at Central Florida, and then all of a sudden, you get to Alabama gig. All of a sudden, to get the Alabama gig, I mean, just um, you know, my um, I've always had a thing that things work out like they're supposed to. I think uh, the good Lord has a plan for our lives, and. You know, it's crazy how this opportunity opened up for me, and it's been a, a wonderful professional blessing, but it's also been a great personal uh, blessing as well. It's a great place to live and work. Uh, was, was Coach Saban there when, when you got there? Did he get there first? Who got there first? So he, he, he got here in January of 2007, and I got a call in May of 2007, just about, I guess, four or five months after he had been here, and they uh, it was a contact that um, it was that I had with him, someone that I knew that knew him, and and this gentleman called me and he said, "Would you be interested in being the athletic trainer at Alabama?" And I said, "Oh, I'd be more than interested in it." I said, "Absolutely." I said, "Tell me what I need to do." So he said, "Well, this was back when." coaches could still go on the road in may now they can't go recruiting anymore in may so coach saban was on the road in may he said coach saban's recruiting this month he said but recruiting will end in late may he'll call you then 
And I'm thinking, okay, well, we'll, we'll see if that happens. And sure enough, about two weeks later, he, he called me just out of the blue one day. My phone, I, I noticed an unknown number on my phone, picked it up, and it was Nick Saban. And three weeks later, I'm in Tuscaloosa. Let, let me ask you this and be honest, all right? This Because I'm, I'm an honest guy, and we have a lot of fun on this podcast. Were you not flipping out when Nick Saban gave you a call, or were you calm, cool, and collective? Let me hear that one. You know, I think it caught me by surprise so much that I, I I'm and I'm glad it did. I'm glad I really didn't know he was going to call me, um, but it, it it caught me out of the blue. And at first, I thought, well, somebody's playing a joke on me here. This isn't really Nick Saban. But as I listened to his voice, I'm like, no, this is Nick Saban. You know, calling me and talking to me about coming to Tuscaloosa to meet with him about being his athletic trainer. So it was it was surreal there, and um, and even more so now. I mean, it's still my. Um, opinion of, of him as a coach has only grown over the years and, and being around him and watching him work and watching how he does his job is a is a unique opportunity for me for, to say the least well we're going to talk about that a little bit but this podcast like all all of ours hopefully is to help you know young people and young now young trainers and coaches and how to deal with some different things this is not this is about Jeff Allen and not Nick Saban which will be good um all right the first question i've got a couple questions for you all right dealing with players um i'm gonna, i'm going to take three things and you're going to help out young players and coaches how we can keep guys you know it, because we don't like to see you as coaches we don't we don't want to get to your point we don't want to get to the athletic trainer we want to try to stay healthy on the front end and i'm assuming that's what y'all are trying to do at alabama correct uh every day i tell people all the time i said you know the majority of my focus is on preventing injury so that I, I i don't have to deal with someone when they're hurt um i would much rather prevent it no question well how are you preventing let's start with let, let's start do you all do anything dealing with strength how can you prevent like an ankle sprain and you all dealt with you know i why i was at the tennessee game the the sun was coming off your head the glare was brutal there in knoxville uh because i have to go up there with a tennessee fan and and he cries and complains he's listening to this podcast i'm not going to go there but but i saw i saw hurts was 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 struggling at that time and and then to a you know you've had and i'm not talking about high ankle sprain high ankle sprains i know are different than really regular ankle sprains it but how are you all trying to help yourself or can you deal with anything with ankle sprains before you get them well first of all just i'll just back up just a little bit again talking about from a prevention standpoint i think one of the most underrated relationships in uh, any sports team any organization any program is the relationship between the athletic trainer and the strength coach if that relationship is not right if those two entities don't get along and don't work together you can't be successful i firmly believe that and i have made an effort at every place that i've ever been to have a great relationship with the strength coach because if you don't it's the athlete that suffers. So to speak to your point about prevention of any injury, ankle sprains, knees, shoulders, whatever, it's really got to be those two entities working together, the athletic trainer and the strength coach. And what, what I try to do is to provide information to Scott so that he can go and do his thing in the weight room and target specific weaknesses that our guys have. So what we do is we do a movement screen 
on our players four times a year. We'll, we'll evaluate them. We'll put them through a simple test. It takes about 10 minutes to do it. It's really easy not to go into that, but it gives us specific weaknesses that they have and we actually score them on it and then i'll relay that information to coach cochran and his entire staff we meet as a as a group and go over each player and then he knows what he needs to work on so let's say it is an ankle issue you know a couple things come to mind number one achilles flexibility and then two proprioception or balance so he can address those issues you know in his in his workouts with the players but i think Preventing injury, any injury goes back to that relationship between strength coach and the athletic trainer. All right. All right. Now, you all have the elite of the elite. You can put them through this test and you can find weaknesses. What if I'm, um, what if I'm at a high school uh, in, um, in Albertville, Alabama, and I don't have that stuff? What can I do dealing with ankles or whatever? What can I do if I don't have the, that gear? I don't even have a strength coach. I'm at University High in Johnson. I don't have a strength coach. I don't have anything. And I've got an athletic trainer that comes in the afternoon. What can I do as a coach or a player? Well, people think that, oh, that must be some kind of fancy test. I mean, the test that we're doing requires zero equipment, first of all. But I know we're not talking about, you know, that, that specific test. But if I was going to do one thing for ankle injuries, if I had to pick, well, let's say two things. Number one, it would be Achilles flexibility. So I would do a, a ton of Achilles flexibility type exercises and trying to increase the flexibility of the Achilles tendon. I think that plays a role uh, not only in ankle injuries, but lower leg injuries in general. Um, and, and really, you could say performance issues as well. So I would focus on Achilles flexibility. And the other thing I would focus on is is single leg balance, doing some single leg balance work. Uh, you would be surprised the number of kids that can't do a single leg squat. Uh, they literally just can't do it. They don't, they don't have the flexibility nor the balance to be able to do that. And if you can train someone and, and, and get them to be able to do a single leg squat and also work on their Achilles flexibility, you're not only going to, I think, you know, make an effort to prevent ankle injuries. I think you're going to prevent other injuries as well. And that's something that costs zero dollars to do. Very simple, very easy. I think sometimes we overcomplicate things as coaches. Um. All right. I like that. I like. All right. Let me. Are you such a football head now? Can you even think basketball? Can you remember back in the day? So when you were doing basketball, so I can ask you some basketball questions. Can you handle that, Jeff Allen? You know, I worked <laughs> with two good coaches that taught me a lot about basketball: John Schumann and, and Jeff Lebo. And you know, you got to remember now. I worked at Kentucky. I didn't learn a thing about basketball at Kentucky. They don't know what they're doing up there. They, they struggle with with I, basketball. I, I, I saw a tremendous difference when I got to Chattanooga in the level of basketball. All right, the lo- okay. So I'm going to ask you a question. You ready? Yes, sir. High tops, low tops. Is there a difference? Do I have to wear high tops or can I wear low tops when I play? Is that going to, is that, am I more susceptible to ankle injuries? Tell me that one. If you look at the research, and, and we have looked at, at a lot of research on this issue with, with the shoe wear with our players, it really doesn't make that much of a difference. I, I think, I think players feel more comfortable wearing, you know, especially in, in a basketball. Uh, sport and, and basketball they feel more comfortable in a high top and understandably so um, and if I were working basketball I would want my guys to wear a high top shoe um, I think it 
it, it, again, it's that feeling of stability that probably does help. The research, though, is kind of somewhere in the middle in terms of does it actually prevent injuries. I don't think you can say okay. that a high top shoe does that, but I think the feel of it gives you a, a, a better feeling, if you will. And I know that's crazy, but I, I would go with a high top. Okay. All right. Um, taped, braced, or nothing? Hmm. Good one. A uh, really good one. Uh, certainly, I would not do nothing, okay? I would um, I would tape or brace or, in some cases, potentially do both. Um, you know, I think there's a wide selection of braces out there. People ask me all the time, what's the best ankle brace? And I say the best ankle brace is one that you're going to wear yeah. um, because – you know, I could get, you know, one guy, one type of ankle brace. He doesn't like it. Another guy does, you know, and, and vice versa. You got to find an ankle brace that, that works for you and that is effective for you. And there is, there's good research out there that both taping and bracing will certainly control that ankle motion and thereby prevent an ankle sprain. So I would say picking one uh, of those is the best option. You know, a lot of guys would rather be taped than braced and and some guys would rather be braced than taped um so you got to pick what works for you but do something um side side question there all, all your football guys before every single game are they all are they braced are they taped what are they um we leave it up to them we tell them they have to do something so one of the um, two one of the two one of the two i would say though that 90 percent of our guys get taped i mean it's uh they would rather be taped than wear a brace all right, all right, good stuff. Listen, now everybody, every football team in a country, high school is going to try to be like Alabama. Once you just, <laughs> if you could just, you should have an academy. I'll put it on the Jeff Allen Training Academy. We'll just get a bunch of guys. Man, we'll kill it, man. With with your looks and, and my personality, we'll just kill it. Um, all right, all right. Let, let's get away from ankles. Let's go. Is there anything I'm going to do? Th- Three things, you know, ankle, knees. Is there anything you can do? Maybe it probably gets back to your, your balance and your squat. Anything we can do to prevent anything with, with knee injuries? Well, I, I think one muscle group that goes un, underappreciated with knee injuries, especially non-contact knee injuries, is the glute muscle. So uh, the butt, if you will. Uh, people don't appreciate the role of the glute muscle as it relates to knee injuries and controlling knee motion. So we spend a lot of time working on our glutes and you know it's it's not hard to do that you know that good old-fashioned uh squat exercise is a really really good exercise uh for your lower legs and it's a really good exercise for those glute muscles the key on that is technique and you know what we're trying to focus on we're not worried about throwing a lot of weight on the squat bar we're worried about good technique and and being flexible and being able to squat and do it the right way and if you do that and slowly build them up uh, you're going to train them uh, the right way with that exercise and I, I think training that glute muscle working that glute muscle uh, will go a long way in preventing knee injuries I mean and that's easy I mean I, I can, oh, you know I mean I can do that anybody any high school in America can do that well again I think we overcomplicate it man we're thinking that you know that you know there's some magic machine or some magic deal it's really not it's just doing the basic exercises that we've all been taught to do but doing them the right way and doing them consistently um last injury i want to deal with it and this is very personal to me but backs backs mm-hmm. how lower back injuries lower back of fatigue and aches and pains down there what can we do early to prevent all that mess well 
you know, kind of like I talked about the ankle, I, I mentioned flexibility. I think uh, with with back issues, a lot of it is tied into flexibility. And in particular, uh, two, two muscle groups <clears throat> that I look at with back injuries, hamstring flexibility and hip flexor flexibility. I think if you work on those two groups and we spend a ton of time uh, doing <clears throat> flexibility work with our guys, we do a lot of Pilates with our guys. We actually do a lot of yoga with our guys and we found that both of those activities have have decreased the incidence of of low back pain in our players Uh, so uh, again i think um, just working on and doing it consistently hamstring flexibility and hip flexor flexibility the issue with flexibility is we all know that we all hear that we all oh yeah i need to stretch but we just don't spend enough time doing it and you know, guys think, well, I've, I've, I'm going to stretch for 10 minutes. That That's nothing. That's not going to get it done. So uh, working on range of motion, working on flexibility, you know, like you would any other, you know, area is, is critically important for sure, especially with low back issues. Are y'all stretching before and after practice? I mean, you, I mean, how long y'all stretching as, as a team and how long should you? You know, the, the, the stretching that we do before practice is, is not really intended to, um, to work on flexibility. It's not. I mean, you know, we're out there. They're out there for probably seven to ten minutes mm-hmm. just doing more of a dynamic warm-up. And, you know, let's increase their heart rate. Uh, let's, let's get them moving a little bit. Let's, quote-unquote, loosen them up. But it's not a flexibility workout. We, we do, with flexibility, we kind of do it individually with our guys and, and apart from their normal workout. So, again, with our movement screen, we'll know the guys that need individual flexibility work, and we will bring them in. Uh, you know, we treat it like rehab. We'll bring them in and do some work with them apart from everything else because it needs to be probably a 30-minute a type deal where, where that's what they're focused on, uh, and that, that's hard to find. So you have to carve that out of their day. All right, all right, bringing them in. All right, now let me just explain this to you. Uh, I am now an Alabama football fan, and and I didn't grow up one, but I love how you all conduct your business. And my buddy, uh, my my best buddy who's a Tennessee fan, is like, oh, you jumped on the wagon. Absolutely, I jumped on the wagon. Y'all were flying, and I jumped on. But it's not because – it's how you conduct your business. And, and I like – you know, I like – how everything is done for Alabama football. So let me ask you this. Um, I'm coming in to do treatment. Uh, I remember the the no AM, no PM rules at different places. I'm late for treatment. So go go to that. I'm late for treatment. Uh, how you all conduct your business? I'm assuming not a lot of guys are late for treatment. No, they're really not. And, um, you know, it, it's – I think it's – the players understand here that uh, they're they're going to be held accountable, you know, for what they do, and 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 they're they have to take responsibility. You know, if they're injured, if they're not a hundred percent, it's their responsibility to get in and get taken care of and, and get treatment. Because, and one thing I've learned about Coach Saban, he, he's going to move on, and if you can't perform, he's going to find somebody that can. And and that's not a negative. We're not saying that in a negative way, but. You know, basically the player is going to be, you know, they're going to be irrelevant, if you will, if they don't do what they're supposed to do in every area. He's going to find someone that will do it uh, the way that it's supposed to be done. It's 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 real simple. It's not complicated. Again, um, <laughs> they're going to be replaced, if you will. You know. So so a guy so a kid shows up late for for a training session, athletic training session. All of yeah. a sudden, I, I've got I've got to rehab my ankle, and I don't I show up yeah. at eight fifteen. 
and I've got an eight thirty class, and and you were supposed to be there at seven thirty. Coach Saban's going to know about that, correct? Coach Saban's going to know about that, and as I tell the players all the time, look, if you miss treatment, I'm I'm assuming that you're full go and you're ready to practice. So get ready to go that particular day, because what you're telling me is that you're fine. If you don't show up for treatment, then you're telling me that I'm ready to go perform that day. So as long as you can go perform, that's great. But if you miss treatment and you can't perform, that's a problem. That's a problem. So. Um, and, and that will be dealt with, you know, again, individually, and they'll be, quote, unquote, replaced, and, and we'll, we'll kind of move on. It's a very business-like situation. It's, uh, you know, we don't we don't try to complicate it, to say the least. Well, it's, it's also preparing guys for, you know, you show up late for work. Last time I checked, you show up late for work twice, and you probably, the, I would say the employer will move on. Yeah, I mean, a- absolutely. I think trying to, and it's hard. It's hard to teach them accountability. It's hard to teach them responsibility. But that's also one of your jobs. Obviously, we'll, we'll try our best to hunt them down, find them, and get them in, and, and help them in every way that we can. But we're, you know, I'm obviously trying. I'm losing them a little bit. Jeff, can you hear me? I got you. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Let, okay. Let, let me ask you this. And we're like I said, we're not going to focus on saving here but let give me give me two things that that you know you've been at different places what makes alabama football alabama football because it it even though it was alabama football a while ago y'all didn't have the success that you're having now what makes nick saban and alabama football different than really the rest of the teams in the country I think it's Coach Saban's ability to relate to the players and his ability to to recruit, um, and, and he is uh, unbelievable at that. And you know, people always look at him, and the perception of Nick Saban versus the reality are, are two different things. Uh, and, and you know, the perception is that you know he's a hard nosed, difficult coach, but the reality is he is a players' coach that genuinely cares about his players. And they recognize that, and they will go play for him all the time. He, he, he. I'll never forget the, the, what he told me on my interview when I first met with him. The very first thing out of his mouth was he, he said, "I want my players cared for the right way," and it really struck me, you know. And I was like, "Wow," you know. It, it, it just, it, it, it really set me back a little bit, and and, and I knew, okay, he, he, he's genuine with this, and he is. He is very, very genuine with how he wants his players cared for and taken care of, and they recognize that. If you look at our facility and what he does and the, the changes that he's got the university to make uh, to in an effort to take care of the players and do it the right way, the players know that, whether it's how we feed them, uh, their locker room, just everything is built around taking care of the players, and, and they know that, and they know it starts at the top. Well, I, I think the elite coaches have the ability to rip them and hold them accountable in an incredible way, but still they they know that that guy loves them and cares for them, so they will do it. And and not, I don't think everybody can do that. And I think it has to be a genuine way. You can't trick guys. So, I mean, there's no way you can trick them all. So they they have to know that he cares for them because he is on them re, in a relentless manner, but they love him to death. That's what it looks like from the, that's what it looks like from the outside. No, you're you're a hundred percent right, um, and and he does a marvelous job at at, at forming relationships with the players. Um, that um, I think is an under 
uh, rated skill in um, in coaches. You know, getting having personal relationships with the guys, getting to know them, uh, and letting them know that you do care about them. And and he does a really really good job of that, um, without a doubt. Um, uh, real quick, first time you ever got ripped by him, were you in a panic? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I've. Um, I've been fortunate. I tell people all the time. I, before Coach Saban, I worked for George O'Leary, so they're they they are similar <laughs> in their drive and in their um, how they do their business, and they hold everybody in the organization accountable uh, to do their job. So working for Coach O'Leary prepared me, you know, to work for Coach Saban, and I've genuinely enjoyed working for both of them. But and what I tell people all the time is. Working for, for, for Nick Saban has made me a better athletic trainer. Now, he doesn't know anything about athletic training. You know, I mean, he, he'd tell you that. He's, you know, that's not my area. But working for him has made me better at what I do because he forces and demands that everybody in the organization is accountable for their particular area and that everybody's striving to be better. You just you get that from him because that's what he's doing for himself every day. What what y'all have done, I mean, I I really firmly, truly believe this, and we talked earlier about the doctors before we kind of got on this. Y'all have taken everything to a whole nother level. I mean, a high ankle sprain, you were out for six weeks on a high ankle sprain. At Alabama football, you're out for two weeks. You know, you all are taking things. You know, I, I, I'm sure Coach Saban is, hey, when's two already? Well, it's a high ankle sprain, Coach. He'll be six weeks. No, no, unacceptable, Jeff. Um, <laughs> it's two weeks. I can deal with two weeks. Well, Coach, we can't. Well, Jeff, fix it because I need him back in two weeks. Um, so I've been in those involved in those conversations. Um, high ankle sprains, two-week rehab. Are you kidding me? I mean, he looked better. He looked better in the playoffs he did in the regular season. <laughs> And you know, I know Tua uh, is a is a God's gift of, of an athlete, but I think you probably had something to do with that. Well, we have a tremendous uh, asset in the physicians that work with us out of the Andrews Sports Medicine Clinic um, in Birmingham, just about 30 minutes up the road from Tuscaloosa. Those guys are, are unbelievable. Dr. Lyle Kane and Dr. Norman Waldrop in particular – are, are incredible at what they do and uh they're they're unbelievable men uh and they're unbelievable surgeons and uh they just uh, do a great job taking care of our players and and they're on the cutting edge i think that yeah that, the, that's what i'm that's what i'm hitting yeah. on Be, because you know doctors are doctors and you go to old school doctors they're still doing the same thing that they did 25 years ago y'all are on the cutting edge of doing some different things down there no one's ever heard of a high ankle sprain and going in there and doing what you you know you lost me on tv when they were explaining it but but i know that he was ready to roll and he's shouldn't be ready to roll but he was well no absolutely i mean you're you're right you've been around that injury enough to know that uh, an injury that magnitude is probably six weeks at best yeah probably more like more like eight weeks um you know and the procedure that they've started doing we started doing it in 2015 was the first time that we that we used it and uh you know i was by no means expecting it to be a two-week or three-week procedure i thought it would still be about four weeks but uh it's been a very, very effective. And, you know, not only to, to for a player to be able to return quicker, but also for their long-term prognosis. We feel like long-term, six months, a year, a year and a half down the road, they're going to be better because they had this procedure done. So it's a win-win on, on every side. All right, last thing I'm, I'm going to ask you about is this. Um, who thinks, 
you know, now we watch somebody get hurt. They they bring the kid on the fo- in a football game. They bring him to the tent. Who thought of that? Why did you think of it? And now you better be making a lot of money off of it. <laughs> well, um, what, what's the old uh, cliche? Necessity is the mother of invention, right? And what I learned in Alabama is that um, every time we had an injury, we would be on the sideline on our treatment table, and it would be just total chaos with people in the stands coming. There's a there's a small walkway behind our bench, about ten feet from our bench, and people would be crowding that walkway, yelling at the player, taking pictures, and. And, and not to mention the TV cameras. And I said, there's got to be a better way to do this. And it's a it's a long story, but just to make it simple and sweet, uh, the dean of the College of Engineering here in Alabama is a great guy, Chuck Carr. And, and Dr. Carr, you know, is, I've gotten to know him over the years. And, and I called him and I said, look, can you help us with this? Can you design something like that would be on our sideline that would quickly go up and down that we could use as needed and um, he put a team of uh, engineering students on it uh, guys that were about to graduate it that, that needed a project and the next thing you know uh, we we have a sideline medical tent and from there two of the engineers that uh, did the initial design um, and myself started a company to manufacture these things. So it's, it's been great. It's been really, really good. I, in terms of your question about how much money I'm making, I'm still working. I still work every day So on my other job, on my main job. But, um, but I have been an investor in that company, and it's been really fun to be a part of. Well, I mean, so, so every, every NFL team has them. Uh, every, I mean, the majority of college teams have them. Have, I mean, you really, with social media, it's really a necessity, I, I'm, I'm assuming now. Well, I think every player deserves, when they're injured on a sideline during a game, a football game, soccer game, whatever, they deserve some privacy because that, that's, that can be a difficult situation, to say the least, you know, um, you know, in terms of the emotions that could go into, you know, being hurt and possibly a game ending or season ending or career ending or career ending. Absolutely. And I I tell people all the time that obviously the, the privacy component of of the, the medical tent is tremendous and it gives us a private environment for that athlete. But what I didn't really fully appreciate that it was going to do was it's made our medical evaluation on the sideline better. Okay. Because now I'm not worried about the distractions around me. The doctor's not worried about any distractions. It's like a private exam room right there, right on the scene. And you know, the most critical time with an injury is the first 10 to 15 minutes afterwards for you to get a good, accurate, you know, evaluation and, and diagnosis to make a good decision. And, you know, when you block out a lot of those distractions, it's really beneficial. And, and, and really, from a concussion standpoint, it's been remarkable because we can really have a private area that we can do a good concussion evaluation and make a good decision on what we're going to do. Um, you know, you bring up – I'm ready to end this, Jeff, and then you bring up something else, concussions. Um, mm. can, listen, if you can invent a tent – um, to to take care of kids on the sideline. Why, why I don't I don't get the fact that y- you all can't invent something to diminish concussions. I think in in football, you know, I the the problem is uh, your Scott Cochran's the problem 
because these guys are so big and strong and fast now. I mean, watching these guys play football, it's a joke. I mean, they're, they're, they are flying around, and I don't think when football was invented that anybody ever thought there'd be athletes out there on that daggum field how there are now. Um, what can you do? Is there anything you can do, anything that you can make? How, how can this, you know, I know you can't prevent concussions through, you know, your – your office, but how can you do that through equipment or what, what's the next thing on the horizon? Yeah, I tell you what, if I come up with that deal, it will, you will stop we'll, working, right? Yeah, I will stop working for sure. But um, I'm sure there are people working on it right now, though. Oh, yeah, no, there's people constantly, and people always ask me what's the best helmet, this, that, or the other. And, you know, just about every helmet out there, you know, I, I, I hesitate to say this, but every helmet out there is going to be, you know, helpful no doubt when there are certainly helmets that are better than others but um it, it really goes beyond the helmet to me john it goes really to to technique and and yeah. how that how that player is taught to play the game and that starts that starts at the youth level and teaching players to play the game in a, in a way that will minimize head contact and it can be done it can be done but it, it's too late sometimes when you they get to high school or certainly too late when they get to college um you know to try to teach them to play that way if they are uh, leading with their head if they're using their head all the time it's a hard habit to break so i think education of youth sports coaches is critical and there's organizations like usa football is a phenomenal one that does a really really good job uh, of, of teaching a heads up way if you will and that's how they, that's what they call it yeah. the heads up method to play football and um it, it's very effective and it does work it does work but that's where it's got to start at it really has to start there and then you mentioned scott cochran in terms of building them up um uh, and making them strong and, and, and fast, no doubt. But he also plays a role in, in concussions because, you know, we, we're trying to focus a lot on neck strength. There's a lot of studies that show that neck strength and upper back trap shoulder strength, especially, you know, can, can be beneficial in controlling that head motion that is such a predominant cause of concussion type injuries. Okay, yeah, everybody's got to work together. Yeah, I yes. mean, you really got to work. The coach has got to work and teach the right thing, and you've got to do your deal, and Cochran's got to do his deal, and that's why y'all are so successful at Alabama. You're a lot of fun to watch. I don't like when you come on the field because uh, that means somebody got hurt. But I, every time you do, I was like, I know that guy. I know <laughs> Jeff Allen. And um, like I said, there's difference between Jeff Allen as the athletic trainer and Cochran as – you know, as the the strength trainer, but you yeah. both are vital. And and Jeff, thanks so much for your time, man. I mean, you're you're helping players, you're helping coaches. Actually, this podcast is probably going to help parents uh, dealing with ankle injuries and what should I do with my kid and um, lower back strength. You know, it's not real difficult to stretch. Well, I appreciate the time, John. It's obviously great to connect with you and um, many many fond memories of our time together at, at Chattanooga and love my time there and. You know, hopefully this podcast hopefully will help some some parents or some coaches. You know, sports is so important, I think, in the, in the lives of, 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 of kids and, and young people in terms of developing them and giving them the skill set they need to, to be successful. And 
you know, the more people we can get involved playing sports, every sport, the, the better off I think we are as a society for sure. So I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, you can learn so much through it. Jeff, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll, I guess we'll see you at the end of January again playing for another national championship. Well, that's what we're working toward. Hey, y'all got to get sure. something done down to Alabama football. I mean, you got to win. You, come on, man. I mean, I got some. Fa- <laughs> I got some friends up here that are very stressed out, and so I'm assuming recruiting uh, went, went okay for you. Uh, you know, I, I think it probably went okay. And and hang in there. You know, you lost hurts, but I mean, you got two of back. You'll be okay. I'm a little concerned about your 14 running backs that are all all Americans, but hang in there, okay, bud. We're going to try to find a way, man. I appreciate it, John. All right, man. Take care. Thanks again.